Well, what a milestone of an episode this is going to be for us. I'm really excited to record it. Episode 36. Episode 36. It's a big number. It is a multiple of nine. And nine is the best Final Fantasy. So to celebrate that, uh, I'm going to open up this bottle of fancy Brute Champagne. Oh, yeah. That looks fancy. Yes. I've got the saber right here for it. And... Easy. Here's a glass Th- for you. Thanks for glass for me. Glass Wonderful for you. Wonderful. Cheers. Hey, you've got. A, I think I've got a bottle of my homemade kombucha over there. Could you could you hand it over? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, you know, I got the saber in hand. I may as well just open this kombucha as well. Excellent. Here's a glass for Fancy. me. Here's what a glass a, for what you. What a sparkle on that. I wow. know it carbonates up beautifully. Just beautiful. You corked it really good too. Uh, say, you know, I know it's a little early for Christmas decorations, but I think it would be great. I'm, I'm if we here. Could get we might that. as well. You know, we might as well get this started. Like I got a couple of baubles here for the tree and they're filled with, um, they're filled with, uh, really viscous hair wax. So kind of for the stability. Beautiful craftsmanship on these. They look incredibly delicate. They are. I don't know. I mean, I, I thought the wax had hardened from the inside, but hopefully Okay, well, don't. I'm going to carry them over this oh, careful, uh, recently don't. cleaned floor. Oh, yeah, yeah. But just don't, don't. Dog! Oh, God. You I'm so sorry. I broke your delicious glass ornaments. Oh, man. That, that air wax is so viscous. Well, you know, I, I really I, don't think that wax was set at all in those in those airtight baubles. You know, I, I brought over uh, to top the tree off. I have a giant balloon full of Hawaiian punch. Can you can you hand it to me really carefully? Oh, my gosh. Least... This is amazing. I know. It's this great. Look at it flashing around in there. It's like the size of both of our heads Here, combined. Just hand it across those, uh, that box of open pencils. Yeah, and... that box of upright number two really sharp uh, graphite pencils. I'll just hand it to you over here. Oh, shit. No, oh, no I just buttered my hands. I'm so sorry about that. Oh, this box of pencils is ruined with all this Hawaiian punch. I, I think we're we out of fragile objects, unfortunately. We could have, we could have drank that bunch. That yes, we been, could have drank that Hawaiian but that, punch. That was the sacrifice we were willing to make. For, would we have wanted to, for, though? For Christian. Uh, hey, though, look at look outside. There's a wonderful fireworks show for the 4th of July. Oh, wow, yeah, it's the 4th of August. It's the 4th of... Yeah, it's the 4th of... It's the post... Fourth of July celebration. People are just are just cracking bottles of wine on the pavement and they setting are. Up fireworks. There's a lot of wine on the pavement, and the fireworks are going off. Those fireworks look really wet. I think. Why are they wet? Oh, there's one more. That was the finale. That that last one was the finale. That was fantastic. Well, how about we get started with this episode? I think we can start the episode. That's a storm of buzz, and we're going to tell you about how we saved the world. This episode of Storm Buds, Katie Bauman, eat your heart out. We got plenty of pictures of black holes in these roll quests. We watched a bunch of kids burn a dude, and we play a fun game of Pop Goes the Weasel. Welcome to Storm Buds. Yeah, that's that's an accurate description of what happens, all right. <laughs> this is the Final Fantasy XIV Recap Podcast on a mission to spread the joy of Final Fantasy XIV and gaming in general. We don't discriminate. I am your host of Light, Jerome Barbatsis, and I am joined today by my co-host of co-host of Light, my co-host of Light. Alexander Hambrock. Say hello, Alexander. Are you going to fix that in the edit? Or nope. Like, okay. That one I can keep. That one was kind of funny. Okay. okay. Hey, good evening, everyone. Good evening. Or whatever time of day you listen to these. I don't know when they go. They go up in the morning, good right? Good five o'clock in the morning. That's when they're scheduled. 
<laughs> I'm sure everyone listens as soon as they go live. On this episode, we are covering the caster roll quest of Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers, as well as the Sorrow of Verlet side quest content, the Trials content. Verlet. It's a Sorrow of Verlet. Um, that's not how that's, none of that's pronounced that way. But before, of course, we get into the meat of the episode, we get distracted by all the exclamation points of our side quests. What have you got for us in your side quest list today? So, so I got a question. Yeah? Can a roller coaster be a side quest? You did go to Cedar Point, didn't you? I did go to Cedar Point over How the weekend. That? That's why my voice sounds hoarse. It's fine. If anyone can notice. Yeah, you were like, hey, we can't record in a normal day because you sound like shit. So uh, mm-hmm. we'll wait a couple extra days. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, went to Cedar Point over the weekend for a long overdue family vacation. It was lovely. Perfect weather. Ended mm-hmm. up timing out such that like the park was totally empty. We didn't wait oh, longer wow. than like 20 minutes to ride anything. All right. What was the best best ride? Well, the one I want to talk about is um, so okay. So Cedar Point, big roller coaster theme park in Ohio. For those who don't know, like one of the, like the best coaster parks in the country, possibly the world. Um, like constantly doing new coasters, constantly sort of like um, building out and breaking records, and sort of like still doing like the whole coaster wars. Best thing coaster. Of- <laughs> yes, sure. Tell me now. Best coaster, we'll get there. The point being that, like, but the thing is, like, they're on a peninsula, and so they can't, they don't have unlimited real estate, and so they have to keep, like, repurposing stuff or tearing things down to build new things up. Or, as it turns out, um, taking the frame from a 30 year old wooden coaster and then completely rehabbing it and putting steel tracks on it and producing a deranged construction called Steel Vengeance, which is the first thing that we rode. We, we got to the park and both my siblings were just like, okay, we are making a beeline straight to the back of the park because we have to go on Steel Vengeance because everyone on YouTube and everyone on Reddit is talking about this coaster. It's only a couple years old. Wow. And what they did was they took this old wooden frame and they put these new steel tracks on it and they added 20 feet of height to the first drop and they gave it all of these corkscrews and inversions that spin through the wooden superstructure of the old wooden coaster and it's like two and a half minutes long and my god it is (laughs) it is unlike anything else i have ever ridden in terms of it feeling like a wooden coaster in the sense that it might kill you at any second but feeling like a modern steel coaster in the sense that it spins you up and down a half dozen times and gives you like you know constant airtime. and my brother tricked me into riding in the front seat with this strange guy from uh canada i think his name was julian he's from toronto he was there with his dad shout out to julian from toronto if you were in that coast maybe maybe you're listening maybe you're listening we got some listeners from toronto but yeah, just, just like Steel Vengeance, um, fascinating idea to to just sort of mash these two things up and turn them into this nightmare of steel and speed. All right, worst coaster. Worst coaster? Yes. I mean, which one made you the feel? Made you feel the worst? Made you feel the worst? Or just was the worst? I mean, I hate to say the Maverick, but like you know, the Maverick opened about fourteen years ago at this rate. It was super great when it came out. It's a rougher ride than like than I remembered it being. Like it jerks you like for 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 a modern steel coaster, it jerks you around and kind of makes your back hurt in a way that I was not expecting. Oh, gross! That's a shame. Oh well. Well, that's that's a wonderful wonderful side quest. I'm glad you got that done. Checked off your list. Definitely, yes, it was your, on my list. Your journal is a little bit lighter now. Um, as for me, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I genuinely rolled credits on Baldur's Gate. Okay. How did that go? my first playthrough. Great. Uh, act three, I did do a little time womp womp in the last episode. I heard that edit, yep. 
it doesn't. I wouldn't say it crashes quite as hard as D- DOS two or anything, but it still is like mm, there. The, I do feel like the 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 X three. Um, there's there's a lot more separate threads going on, and then how you resolve them is very sort of binary. Like there is a good and bad option, and you must take all of these. You're just trying to. You're just trying to. You're trying to um, just hurt, not you're kind of trying to hurt cats with all your quest objectives and things like that. And it's just it's it's a little messy right now. I think there's a way they can, there might be a way they could fix it if they end up. First off, they just fix the fucking frame rate. Holy shit! That's what I've been hearing. It's bad. It's bad uh, right now. Um, is is it something about Act Three? Like, is it? In yeah, a place it's, there's a lot, lot of people. There's a lot of objects to load. Okay, and it's not optimized very well for most machines. My machine's not that old, so. Uh, but otherwise, I still really enjoyed it. Um, really enjoyed my playthrough. Um, I romanced the warlock on my playthrough, and we ended up going off uh, together, lovely in a lovely way. Um, so that was really nice. Um, I was about to describe it, a bunch of endings and then I realized that's spoiler town and I don't want people Probably to Probably a little early for that. I was like, that's, that's not, that's not cool. <laughs> that's not cool to you. Not cool to me. Um, but I did start my second playthrough of it. Wow. Um, just rolling right back in. Why not? I got uh, a ranger going. Um, rangers suck. <laughs> Unfortunately, they are very uninteresting. They took out favored foe and replaced it with some like, you get a you get an extra spell depending on what your favorite foe would have been in D anD D, and it's like I, that's the whole point of like uh, being a hunter. I mean, like I kill goblins. Like you don't get to have that fantasy anymore. You know, you uh, just like I have protection from good and evil for some reason. Favorite foe is one of those abilities that that one really does require you to have like a GM because yeah, you need someone who can yeah. kind of like bend the story a little bit to give you context where it's going to be relevant. I that's the problem with with this, yeah. And I think, but I'm gonna roll with it for now and also you don't get the you don't get the extra ability score improvements or anything like that you just kind of get the same feats as everyone else and mm. you can choose ability score if you want um but then you're missing out on us i don't know it's fine it's ranger is uh, the point is that i'm going to be extremely anti-illithid um and and constantly panicked about every single possible way to get the parasite out of my head uh and put my party in danger to do so does the game <laughs> let you be pro illithid there's, there's there's certainly a way for you to be pro illithid, yes. <laughs> Can you turn into an illithid? <laughs> You'll have to play the fucking game for yourself. I might want to try that route. Turn me into a squid man. Squid man. Well, that's enough about squid man. Uh, we have a lot to talk about in the game Final Fantasy XIV Shadow Bringers. We're starting with these caster quests. Starting with these damn caster quests. Uh, these are the level level 70 to 80 roll quests uh, and our ongoing adventure to cover these all and then get the full story of the of the warriors of light okay these ones are good yes oh good i'm glad you thought so yeah i, I, I forgot after, to i like looked at you and i thought to, i thought in my head what did you think and then i didn't say those words out loud i just kind of looked at you like hmm yeah yeah. After last week's tank quest, nothing burger. These actually are like the most interesting ones so far. Yes. Okay. So we start with Hollow Pursuits, and we are uh, talking to a bounty hunter. And again, as with all of them, this one's named Sirig. Sirig. We're after Phronesis, formerly the Archmagus, 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 Nielbert, 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 <laughs> Bill Nielbert, the Archmagus. 
whose baleful magics were feared were were feared the realm by God. I'm we're never going to get through this entire episode if I cannot read. Whatever he, his magics were feared. Anyway, we're headed to um, Amarang. What good is the script if I cannot read it? We we do the whole proving things quest, will, and then no, we oh God, yes, and whatever, and, and we learn that um the reason why Phrenesis is a problem is because Phrenesis wanders the landscape, summoning these giant black holes into which random people and passersby appear to just get sucked into and they vanish forever which is horrifying neat i you know i will say it's occurring to me now when i when they first mentioned that i thought maybe there'd be some resolution at the end of this where we get those people back no nope, not at all they're gone. no <laughs> they're just gone forever only one comes back <laughs> but like but unlike the other ones though Phronesis does not appear to be hunting people. He just seems to shamble around the landscape, kind of summoning these voids at random, and then people just got caught up in the wake and get get obliterated. Super cool. So we need to find a way to neutralize these voids and and shut and take them down. A voice from the void is the next quest, where we start by using a mannequin to see how close we can safely get to him. Yeah, we got a little automaton. We repair monster, monster parts. parts. I don't know how that works, but uh, not my job. We camp out around a fire in the area uh, and wait for him to show up. After an indeterminate amount of time, he's he's coming back. A pointy. He's got a pointy hat. And he's summoning black holes. He's a black yep. mage. He's just like he's, he looks like one of the. He's like one of the little Zelda dudes. Actually, he's like oh, one yeah. of the. He's a whiz robe. Yeah, whiz robes. <laughs> and we just we set the little robot that's, after that's him. My whiz, it, whiz robe impression. It gets. Can we put that on the soundboard? <laughs> Woo! Only if whiz robes come up again. I just want to put everything on the soundboard now. If we've only got sixteen buttons. Yeah, but they could be multifunction. They could. Um, we set the robot after him, and it gets around fifteen feet of the black hole, and it's gone. Sorry, I wrote fifteen feet. I really should have said four yalms. Moms. Which one's the short one? It's it's just it's just yards and miles with oh. mom instead. So definitely not moms. We approach the hole ourselves, and oh boy, there's a there's a voice in it calling out for rescue from inside. It's a hand. You can pull out the hand, and it's Gale from Baldur's Gate Three. Just kidding. Weird like- crossover events. <laughs> no, so we, we hear the voice. Uh, Sarig doesn't. So, um, and this, the voice inside is like, oh, thank God. Can you hear me? I can't see anything. So, um, I, ch- because after all the various things that we have done, we just have different ether powers at this point. So we just channel our ether into the void to make a beacon because that's the thing you can do. And we, we yoink this boy right out of there. A new hand touches the beacon. And Sarig is very confused about what the fuck just happened. <laughs> He does not hear the voice or anything. He's just like, what did you do to that? Why did you make a boy out of that hole? And we... We, <laughs> we talked to the... Yes, yeah, so, Sarig's so parents never sat him down. So um, <laughs> we're going to worry about Nilebert later. We're going to take the boy back to town and look after him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so Echoes of the Past is this quest. Uh, the boy be- is awake and healthy after a couple of us, a couple of levels that we go and get outside he, of this. But he's an amnesiac. Well, f- who wouldn't be? Um, his name is Tainor, and that's all he knows. <laughs> I, I don't know why the name Tainor is the one Tainor. that gets me, but every time I write the word, Tainor. the name Tainor in these notes, I'm just laughing. 
Okay, so his name is Tay. His name is Taynor, um, and we're like, okay, well, this kid clearly was one of the people who got sucked into the voids. We should track down his parents. Um, at this point, I am like remarkable confidence that his parents did not also get sucked into the void at the same time. Yeah. But sure, yeah, we can, we can go looking for them. He suggests that we uh, Taynor goes for a walk to see if he remembers anything. Uh, he recognizes, and Taynor recognizes us by our ether. Uh, signature? I don't know what the hell. Some art ether, whatever. And he seems to be a, somewhat of a magical prodigy, he claims. Mm-hmm. And, but the only thing he remembers is being awakened in the void by a sensation of someone passing by, perhaps between worlds. I wonder who that could have been. Anyway, could he be all alone? Well, like he's so good at magic that someone probably trained him. So um, whoever it is that trained him is probably worried sick about he him. He could just be a sorcerer. Yeah, it could just be a sorcerer. Yeah. It doesn't need to be parents. It could just be like someone was looking after this kid. Taynor's like, I also would like to know whoever was responsible for me. <laughs> so That's we, a fair enough. So, so literally we go asking about town to um, look for any rumors about missing children. The first merchant we talked to has heard of an aging mage who was separated from his child in battle with a sin eater. And we're like, great. That's a very specific set of circumstances. Wow. Who else could it be? Wow. You hit it right on the head. Uh, up to the up at the inn at Journey's Head in uh, Amarang, full of confidence, we've got this, his, uh, this, his, this person's kid. The woman at the door says, oh, no, we've already found this person's child. He's right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Taynor's so crushed. How many children his, are sucked in these boys? <laughs> he, he got his hopes up so quickly, and they were dashed just immediately. And he's like, well, can we ask around anyway and see if anyone else has heard anything? Okay, Taynor. And the other kid is will come with us because, like, you know, to take his mind off things. Because his dad's turning into a sin eater. So he's got his own problems. Oh. So Taynor's looking for his, da- his parents. The, the other boy's dad is turning into a sin eater. Just lots of, tr- lots of trauma to go around. Oof. We're able to find him a, a suitable guardian while, while they're doing that. So the kid, we're looking for someone. Or, yeah. yeah. Oh, so the kids get into a fight. Uh, the other kids got freaked out because Taynor was attacked by a Sin Eater and started yelling at him that he was going to turn too. But we find, and so we find Taynor being attacked by scorpions. And it's like, he, he was just scared of being turned into a Sin Eater, yeah. but it's not about to happen. He's like, and like, he's just, he, he's very distressed. Like both these children are very clearly kind of having different sort of breakdowns. And Taynor is, is like, there's so much I don't know about this world. Why does nobody here know me? I, I do feel like pointing out Taynor. We've talked to three people. Someone Why here- does nobody here know me? Chill. It's been a two days. We haven't got the census hasn't come back yet. But anyway, this this kicks off an echo vision. We get a we get a flashback. We get a headache. And we see Taynor and another youth summoning a void under the tutelage of the mage headmaster. Who's that? I'm not sure. The other boy is better at it than Taynor is because, of course, it's Nilebert. Because, of course, Taynor is not from our time. He's from a hundred years, years in ago, the past. In the past. <laughs> I didn't. There, there was an alternate bit I wanted to do here. Where we would like do a riff on the opening to Buck Rogers in the 25th century. But Absolutely Taynor, not. But I did, didn't think enough people would get that. Taynor remembers a bit more now that he and Nilebert were recruited by a consortium of mages trying to travel to other worlds. Wow, that's fantastical. Nilebert's lament is the fine up, upcoming quest. I wish it was the final quest so we can move on. Nope, Taynor gets more memories. Um, so they were literally raised to be mages from like very young, the age of very young childhood. Um, they were raised to open portals and call on beasts from other worlds. What the fuck? They, they were literally bred for their ethereal power across generations. Nilebert uh, is apparently the Kwisatz Haderach. <laughs> oh, what a reference. They so, practiced incantations before they could speak. 
even. Wow, that's doesn't uh, explain that one to me, game. <laughs> how do you <laughs> practice an incantation before you learn how to speak? It's it's not super clear. But also, the, their first proper the, experiment was an immediate failure because Taenor just immediately got sucked into the black hole and was stuck floating in the void for a century. Ah, that sucks. Serig is really hung up on why the boy hasn't aged uh, in the void, but I mean, it makes perfect sense to us. It's clearly, time, time doesn't time, pass in there. Clearly, there's no time in there. That's just he's just stuck. And, and Nilebert was uh, obviously hung up on the fact that you know that he lost his childhood friend and was unable to rescue him. And so, like, this is not like if all of these sort of these new um, cardinal virtues are like enacting some obsession they had in their past life. His is clearly the fact that he was never able to rescue Taenor, and so he goes around trying summoning to, these nonstop voids, trying to get him out or something. Maybe. Yeah, that's what we think. Taenor thinks he can seal these rifts. Well, wow, well, that's fuck what hubris. But we go practice out in the desert, and um, yeah, we try sealing one of the voids up. But who should show up? But our good friend Phronesis. <laughs> does the whiz rope sound <laughs> um and just like uh Sarek starts getting pulled into a void and then we get an echo vision and we get a vision this time of nile birch um okay so here we go so we've got uh Lamet and the other some of the other warriors of darkness are trapped in a cave-in oh and and it's before nile uh is 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 one of them this no. appears to be when they met so they're kind of they're here going after the same bounty they're working. They and um, Ardbert and the rest of them are like, "Hey, look, we should work together to slay this beast and stop the cavens and get the bounty together." But Nilebert's kind of a self-centered asshole, and he appears to be intent on claiming the bounty for his own for mysterious reasons. Well, that's fucking garbage. Ardbert is committed, though. He's going to make this an adventuring party if it's the last thing he does. Damn it! So uh, we cut to a duty here where we get to play as Nilebert uh, running through these caves with the rest of the Warriors of Darkness fighting monsters and stuff. And actually there's some neat mechanical storytelling in this duty because th- they do some things with a few of the fights where like us, the player character as Nilebert basically get placed in mortal peril or various strong attacks happen or otherwise like the encounter clearly would not be winnable by us. And then the other like, you know, NPCs, the Warriors of Darkness have to like cast healing spells or damage abilities or stuff to help us through it. And it's like, Oh, it's literally demonstrating that he could not do this alone and that he needed them in order to actually accomplish his goal. Oh, no! <laughs> Whenever they... Dis- that's, that's a robe in distress. <laughs> I appreciate it whenever they do like little mechanical touches like that that tie the storytelling and, the, and, the, and just the combat together. Yeah, it's, it's very neat. Um, we, they beat up the big guy and... Um, Got the value teamwork, yada, yada. Uh, hasn't stopped the tremors, though. So Nalbert uh, reveals that he wasn't here for the bounty. He was just here for the ether, like just like the creature was, because it's been building f- for so long, it's caused instability. Maybe he can use it to save his friend. But if he takes it, the whole mine will collapse. Ugh. Listen, he wasn't. He did, it's not that he didn't like the people. He just wanted to keep them away so they wouldn't feel bad when he sacrifices himself. Or something to something the collapse the either cave. whatever he realizes that he has to do the right thing yeah he has to release it safely back into the earth even if it means giving up this chance to save Tainer. he shatters the crystal the tremors subside and ardbert's like you know anyone who'd make a hard choice like that should join up with us and go around making more hard choices and saving people yeah and then he gets his crystal okay yeah he gets the earth crystal or i guess which one does he get i don't remember 
it's okay. It's a crystal. What color was it? Brownish orange, which is why I thought it was an earth. It's crystal. probably earth then. Or fire. I thought so. Okay, I don't think it matters. Taino's okay. training day. <laughs> Taino's been practicing on his magic still, but uh, he lacks experience maintaining concentration in combat because oh. certainly it is difficult to recite an incantation while a while a giant bat is assaulting you. Yeah. So we head over to Lakeland where we can practice without disturbance. Yeah, there's certainly um, no monsters in Lakeland. And Sarig uh, bought Taylor some new clothes as well. He looks very spiffy. He looks, he's, he's, a, he's a bright young lad. He's a, ready to go watch the boats. So we, we do a combat demonstration in order to show off how you fight. And Taylor is like, great, awesome, I got it. It's my turn. And then immediately gets flustered and, and, like, and beefs it. Oh, he beefs it again. He's really blowing it. Sarig saves him. We give him. We keep giving him a little advice. He gets back out there and does it the second time. Everything, it's so easy to learn things. The second time you try a thing, you always are going to succeed. That's how it works. That's that's what happened with this podcast. Our first podcast was a total failure. Yeah, no one even knows about that one because nope. we had no listeners. We had no listeners, but what's an inside scoop right now? This was this podcast was a realm reporn. It was never that. I'm not letting no, you even just, let that one. We just talked about porn. I was going to make a joke it about was, us reviewing instant ramen flavors. We're inc- not. It was incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> Should have gotten that one up over on Blue Sky. Hey oh. <laughs> it was only on Stitcher though, so it's gone. <laughs> it's gone forever for now. Which was a shame because their ad monetization was actually really good. <laughs> Except that no one would advertise on it. Because then their credit card companies wouldn't let them charge. Mm, Yeah, they kind of got fucked over by the system. (laughs) Well, that sucks. Anyway, um, a cheerful reunion. reunion. Okay, time for the final confrontation. We give Tanner a pep talk, but honestly, the kid doesn't need it. He's in good shape. His biggest fear is just, what if he slips up and we got eaten? Um, we get turned into a city to ourselves. What if we turn just like just like uh, Nilebert did? And we're like, oh, don't you worry. We're not going to turn into a city eater for reasons that we're not going to tell you because they might disturb you further. <laughs> so <laughs> like, let's go do it. Please don't think about this. <laughs> we lure him. We uh, we lure we lure Sofracine. That was that one? was no. the healer. <laughs> that was two episodes ago. This which one is this one? This is uh, it starts with a P. Phronesis. Fron- they're yes. kind. They're kind of the reverse of each other. You see why I got them mixed up? I don't. Okay, <laughs> we lure Phronesis out with a void, and then um, so this is what I told you. This is what I told you when we were recording. You were like, "Listen, there's another person later that you described with adjectives as opposed to their name." And I was like, "Maybe if you would write their names down, you would remember their names. We wouldn't have an a, a, an entire series long recurring bit." <laughs> You're right. It would help if I wrote their names down. Okay, sorry. Go on. Uh, Tainer summons a void. Phoenicia summons a void. Tainer negates Phoenicia's void. Um, he's like, he won't let me take my friends. Um, it's a pretty straightforward fight. It's a counter spell battle. We drag some orbs into voids and stuff. Um, we beat him. And like before, we get Nilebert's old crystal and an apparition appears. Basically like, you know, begging Tainer's forgiveness for never managing to rescue him. Much like before, the apparition does not actually see us. It is just sort of like an imprint of Nilebert's personality and his last, like, emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, like, you know, hey, you know, whatever I suffer can only be a fraction of what you suffer floating out there in the void till this very day, which actually does not seem like Tanner suffered very much. He experienced no time. So he was... He's, he's suffering now. Like He's oh. suffering now. <laughs> but in the void, he was okay. 
Tanner tries to tell him, it's okay, I'm right here, you did it. Um, Niall Burt's like, oh, if you even if you despise me, I'd give anything to see you one last time. I just want to say I'm sorry. And uh, Tanor says, like, how could I ever hate my best friend? That's and sweet. that's the conclusion. Rest in peace. Well, that wraps up easily. We get the big bounty. Tanor is grateful, and uh, he wants to go travel the land and help those in need with his magic. He uh, he and Sirig are going to partner up. and We're going to give them the bounty. We're going to give them the bounty. We don't need it. Uh, we got other ways of making money. Cool. That okay. Was a, I mean, yeah, a lot better than the, for me, yeah, definitely much better than the, the other two. Probably still my favorite one. Um, not that it's like super downhill from here, but I just don't really, I don't really honestly remember too much about the remaining two, but I don't think they were, I don't know. We'll see about it. Of course. Remain, my trademark will see phase, phase remaining one right it's just the melee oh is there not two there's not two we did this, this happened before there's four there's not five i'm using it for endwalker i'd have to actually look hold on yeah i'm not gonna look it up okay i'll just take your word for it the i think it's just one. the melee ones left because this covered both magical range dps and magical melee dps okay and then the next episode oh. so we're covering eden okay that's physical gonna... range dps okay sure yeah We'll find some yeah. other content to cover. Yeah, for that episode. we'll be good. Yeah, we'll be good. Um, or we can just do a, a, a B segment. Um, so that brings us into the sorrow of Verlet. I gotta say, I did not expect an entire season of a mech anime in here. Woohoo! And, and, and a pretty good one too. Like, hey, this is this is fucking better than Darling in the Franks. <laughs> yeah, take that, Darling in the Franks. Uh, so if you guys would remember, there was in patch five point one a little a side mission thing where we met up with Gaius in Alamigo and he told us all about this weapon project and we also saw through Astinian's eyes or his vision we they fought against the Atma weapon that kind of sets this whole thing off there's a project wherein the uh Garlean Empire is um making new weapons akin to the Ultima weapon and at the, this Ruby Doomsday is the first quest and it starts off with people being worried about those weapons uh, Gaius and his crew have been on the front lines, but the new weapons are intimidating as fuck. Uh, our assistance would be much appreciated given our history with the weapons. We rendezvous with Gaius at camp and the first prototype uh, of Ultima, known as the Ruby weapon, is being moved to the front and we are to kind of head it Intercept on. it. Uh, Gaius and this uh, the, the, the person he's with, whose name um, uh, we didn't right down at this point i wish you had i'm sorry she's she, her name is down further her name is down further we'll get to it she has blue hair and uh they they tried to fight it and they got injured very badly so it's kind of up to us to uh head it off so we uh, off to the gim 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 lehelt gim lehelt g y h m l h E H T D H A H R K. Okay, some of these jokes I just put in here for you. You don't need to read all of them. <laughs> You're trying to throw me off, and it's working. I get thrown off on easily enough on my own. Um. So yes, we uh, get into the get into the ruby weapon fight and it is of course a callback to the super boss ruby weapon from final fantasy 7 
wherein it shoved its hands into the ground and you had to fight off the tentacles and you had to, there was a certain gimmick you had to do to make it so that you didn't get sucked into the ground right away. Like you had to like enter the fight with a float status effect in Final Fantasy VII or you would die instantly. Um, something like that. So they tried to call that in with the technical mechanics of the first phase of the Ruby weapon and having yeah. it dashing around, which was really cool to see. I, I don't like this thing at all. Like, the, like talking about mech anime, this is some end of Ava shit. This thing is oh yeah, it's a organic, it's organic, a big <laughs> organic bio weapon, uh, Colossus. Don't like it. It powers on with code name Darnus, not Danris. Darnus. Why does it have teeth? Why does it have hooves? Yeah, yeah. It's piloted by a mysterious figure um and yeah we get to fight in it and uh we we beat it we beat the first phase right the first phase of the whip the whip claws and the dashing around very fun very cool very unique then unlike previous trials in this in this these trials have a different kind of second phase wherein like if you die in the second phase you don't have to start all over again thank god because <laughs> they're much longer what happens is the synthetic aura site activates and the oversoul mode activates and it starts to sprout wings and the pilot inside starts screaming horribly saying that their mind is their own. Their mind is their own. What? And then Nail Von Darnus is the name that is called out, which I found very confusing because I immediately was like, didn't we kill them? No. Well, yes, a long time ago. And then we killed, and then we killed- Bahamut summoning Nail Darnus. Yes. A primal right. summoning another primal. Uh, at this point, I believe I immediately got crushed by meteors. Yes, and we got instead fight a goo angel version of Nail Van Darnus, uh, who summons a lot of meteors akin to, I mean, the meteor that crushed us all in 1.0 or at the end of 1.0. Um, and eventually, we we power through it and beat it up, and it uh, it dies along with its pilot, and it's just like a slumped over husk of a weapon with goo angel out of it. <laughs> and Gaius approaches us wounded. He contemplates how much. Uh, stronger the new one will be because this is nasty and um out of the out of the woodwork in the gambling an aura woman in red and black named Allie rushes up what a what a good christian name yes she (laughs) she appears to be an imperial soldier she's accompanied by a few others um they all have uh Oh wait, no, they don't. Never mind. That no, it's not relevant. <laughs> only only two of them have white hair and purple eyes, but the other ones have blue and green hair and stuff and other colored eyes. Yes, Gaia um, seems to know that name. Uh, Gaia seems to like yes. know them in general. I guess, or I guess like yeah, we find out like the other one is named Alfonso, and he looks at Gaius and he says, "Father, hey, wha- 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 what? You did uh, not just commit the the you did not just commit the pronunciation Alfonso to tape." <laughs> I can't tell if you're fucking with me at this point. I cannot tell. Please, please, please tell me you know how to pronounce Alphonse. Oh, no. Oh, no, he's beet red. I'm never telling you. You have to know. Come on. God damn it. So Alphonse looks at Gaius and says, Father? Whoa, 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 whoa. Father! Alphonse, Ellie, and Rex. These are these um, good Christian these names. Three Ara. They, 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 they think, and they're like, "Oh, Father, you left because you were accused of assassinating Varus, and you want we want we can prove your innocence. Everything can go back to the way it was before." Echo Vision. 
so it looks like these were all children that Gaius found and rescued during like a campaign in the region of Velt. Um, there was some kind of epidemic going on. And the children, because he rescued them, they look up to him. They think very highly of him. And because he fights for the Empire, they consider if maybe they should too. Because that they think that would make him, pr- or him proud of them. So um, everyone else is scared of the Garleans, but Lord Gaius is different. Uh, because they're just they're precious kids who are deadly earnest and just want to like you know find a way out of this life, and so they all vow that they're going to serve the empire and as a newly adopted family, brothers and sisters, under Father Gaius. Back in the present, they're just mostly confused. Well, I guess there's more we're going to find out later, but they mostly seem confused right now mm-hmm. because a lot has changed in the empire. Um, Ali wants to tell um, Gaius more about it, but Alphonse cut, cuts her off. And is like, nope, we have to go now. We can't be here. We can't consort with him. And they all retreat into yeah. their flying machine and leave. Yeah, Allie's like, but we got this really good new economic system called social Darwinism, and it's totally cool. And you should come back because it's totally going to work out. And then all of the, and then he just Alphonse is like, no, no, get off the internet. <laughs> We're going back home. Uh, so they retreat into their flying machine, and Gaius asks, who was piloting that? Ruby weapon, kids. Nail is dead. It couldn't have been Nail, but turns out it was another one of their his children named Melisandia. Sucks to be her. Gaius refuses to believe it. One of the cute kids was in there and died. Well, How she grew the... up at this. She's an adult at this point. I guess she's an adult at this point. <laughs> it's not clear to me. If I don't know, I'm not sure if are these kids supposed to be like. 16 or like 25 at least 16 i don't know i could what is urianje is 28 so (laughs) right yeah okay like no one no one in this game is old they're old enough they're tall they're height age um but they only they just they're just claiming to finish what gaia started which is vague and dumb and probably not true but we'll see how misguided they are next time we meet when we're their enemies Okay. Enemies. Back at camp, Gaius is deep in thought. Sid kind of marches up. Um, he wants to inspect the wreckage, including the body. Um, Sid says, Sid tries to give Gaius a bit of a pep talk, sort of. Mm-hmm. He says, look for the lift's control panel. And then he apologizes because <laughs> old habits die hard. And then he says, like, you know, hey, you were kind of a father figure to me when I needed it. You were a stand-up guy, always looking out for little ones. Um and then, but then you also were involved in the incident that killed my father. Mm. So my feelings are still kind of mixed about you. I'm not super cool with that. But you know what? I am making the bigger decision. I am going to, like, you know, largely respect you and work with you, even though I carry a mixture of anger and mourning for the person you used to be. Sid is like, Sid is dumping a lot of complex emotions here, with the upshot being that he's going to cooperate with us on this. But it's, you know, it's just complicated history. Yeah, so Sid does end up looking at the body, and it's pretty grotesque. She was fused with the core, with a lot of gorilla glue. She died in a horrible, awful agony, uh, and smelled like gorillas. We have to prevent more of these horrible atrocities from happening. It's just the least reassuring thing possible. Did she die quickly? No, No, not 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 at all. It took at least 30 minutes. They overrode her consciousness with nails to be better in combat, and this is... uh, uh, but, but what's weird is we don't know where the fuck they got that data. That was they were killed before the calamity. What the fuck? What the fuck? Um, Sid has an idea he wants to research about oh. where they might have gotten the data. Is he going to sh- share what that is at this time? Not at this time. No. Okay, great. Well, we guess we're just going to have to 
trust this bastard. The other guy who accompanies Gaius uh, reminds him about the agreement they apparently have. And now, is tells, this the blue-haired kid? No, this is the other one. This is the elf man. Okay, the elf man. Great. Good name. <laughs> I will write down their names. <laughs> this is what... Anyway, he appears to have some kind of agreement with Gaius around whether or not Gaius can return to the Empire. We'll find out more about that in a bit. Okay, great. Yes. Meanwhile, in the Verlet Research Institute, Ellie thinks they should have told him the truth. He could have helped. But no, they've come too far now. They couldn't possibly change course. There's no such thing as sunk cost fallacy whatsoever alphonse is committed and rex is ready to pilot the next weapon the, the sapphire, sapphire weapon the sapphic weapon ali <laughs> ali begs him to promise to g- not at all actually in no <laughs> in way, way does that end up being ali <laughs> makes him promise to come back to them which i got a, a bad i got bad news he's not gonna sleep now in sapphire is the next quest sid has come back to us with his secret findings it's all based on the synthetic aura site system or the saws the the soul as a service software as a service soul as a service yes uh the Asians call the core of the ultima the heart of sabik which was which was our site we know at this point um so there's some connection to be investigated here. It looks like they're just making their own aura site as opposed to relying on ancient alien artifacts, of which there are only so many. And his theory is that the Empire has been putting soul crystal recorders in the armor of high-ranking officers for a very long time, maybe in preparation for a project like this. So kind of a retcon, like, oh, lots of Garlean uh, high-ranking people have apparently been having their souls recorded as far back as, like, A Realm Reborn, or even, or even further. Yes, <laughs> this has definitely been happening. We've maybe not told you about it, because why would we? They were your enemies. They're not going to tell you about that. And there's something going on here where it's like, it's not just like that the soul gets sort of implanted in the pilot, but like that the person might become physically embodied again in some way. It's a little confusing, but whatever it is, it seems like it malfunctions pretty easily and kills the pilot. Who's to say? Gaius has more intel on Verlet. Once a once proud city that was brought to its knees by the Empire, by him specifically, it's a staging ground now. And the distance between there and here is a challenge staging ground for what exactly i i I think for like just weapon shit i think weapon shit or just like having troops stationed there so they can make incursions into nearby territory and stuff Mm, that sounds that sounds insidious we need to get there fast before the next weapon is ready it's like a forward operating base of some kind we deduce that it's uh coming by sea or in the air but probably the sea um using sid's top secret plan which is so secret he won't tell us that we have a starting role in uh we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fight this thing and you know personally if i feel like if i were about to you know embark in a military operation before we actually get in the vehicle to get there i would like to know something about i would like some on. details but we'll get we'll get to it uh so sid has turned out to have built also a giant mech called the g warrior it's pretty cool um, I feel like if I were about to operate a giant piece of heavy machinery, even one as simple, relatively simple as a forklift, and my instructor kept its knowledge of operation and existence for me a secret until I got there, I feel like that instructor would go to jail. Everyone just doesn't <laughs> to pilot everything in this universe. Everyone's just like, oh, huh. Much less a cool. massive war machine. Who is handling the licensure for operating this machinery? <laughs> My God, do the toddlers operate forklifts? Where's this is why we need Jesse. 
This is why she's important in the Ironworks. So shit like this doesn't keep happening. Okay. Uh... Um. So it looks like what well, you you said. You look. You have a note here. It looks like the su- summoned skull. What's that from? Oh, it's from Yu Gi Oh. Oh, okay. If all the probably a lot of crossover there. I I n- never touched Yu Gi Oh, but it's got glowy tentacle hair. Um, and we start the duty. Yeah. So um, we we, we hop in the mech and we take her for a spin. Oh, so we, yeah, so we're taking for a spin off the lot. Before we even get into the fight, we are learning how to pilot it. Yes, there are a lot of mechanics. There's a, a defensive pyramid. A, there's lasers. There's it's like a one two three combo, a shield, and then a boost, and that's it. The, and, the, this is a, a really laser. long training sequence for it's this. Extremely long, which is like cool. You know, whatever. Get your money's worth. Do we ever pilot this thing again? I might remember, okay. and I might not. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I feel like if it came up in Endwalker, you'd remember. Maybe. Okay. Maybe I'm a forgetful little boy. Anyway, now time for the actual duty in which we fly them. Um, we load the mech up on airships and like fly it in like Pacific Rim style on cables, and then we're going to drop it into the water where the sapphire weapon is emerging and we're going to confront them like basically like confront one-on-one in like a a battle over the water and uh yes and screens pop into existence with uh beautiful with, with our with our you know our, our engagement team we got Gaius's face and he's going burp, 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 burp. And we got sid chiming in he goes burp, 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 burp. you kept doing that while we were playing <laughs> <laughs> and we, uh, we 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 fight this giant humanoid kraken mech beast that is a sapphire weapon. Good and luck. He just immediately pops over soul directly. He's like, "Fuck it!" Like I'm not coming back from this. We're just we're going straight into the uh, the oversoul mold. And also immediately begins screaming. Oh yeah, because he's the shittiest pilot. He was like, "Well, I'm not gonna win without with my knowledge, because all I know how to do is crochet, and I can't crochet this giant war mech to victory." So here we go. Um, this is actually pretty fun duty. I think the, you get the little no mode switching. You got to laser the little, little beacons down. Mm-hmm. Um, you, just, like, you, you juggle a few things, which I always appreciate. Sort mm-hmm. of like keeping track of like them burning energy here or there. Sure. Yeah. It's cute. Little, if you're, if you're into the mech warrior kind of stuff, it's fun. If you're an armored core six fan, maybe you just keep playing armored core six. That's probably a better game. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to guess that armored core six is a better game than this one duty <laughs> yes but uh it's if you are that kind of, if you're a fan of that kind of thing which yeah i could really not really care um uh, this is fun for you anyway we beat up the sapphire weapon and we're in a place we're up in a place called turncliffe now it's a beautiful little town on the coast with uh uh white buildings like st- white buildings blue roofs kind of like greece almost looks like but mm-hmm. it's got garland and shit everywhere because of the, what's it called? Occupation. We watch the airships investigating the wreckage from our cliffside balcony, and we get an echo vision. We see Rex angry that they've been tracked down so quickly before the weapon is ready. Well, he's ready to die. He says so. We meet Rickon. Rickon? Rickon? Uh, the, the, youngest, the youngest Stark with super bright neon green spiky hair 
who is supposed to be moving to the other weapons to safety, but instead he's here to pilot the sapphire weapon. Rex is not into it, but Rickon is prepared to oversoul immediately and ready to sacrifice his life to generate more data to improve the other weapons, and he's not going to have a shitty, ill-timed tantrum about it. Instead, he is adamant, and the others need Rex more than they need him. He's the shittiest pilot. <laughs> His words. <laughs> yeah, he's the most expendable is what he calls himself. Always the smallest and weakest. Which is hilarious because he's built like a god as an adult. He, he is has- six foot five, completely shredded. No ass, though. No and, ass. No. Which, you know, I mean, he fit right in with the MCU, honestly. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Completely skipped squats. Did his calf raises, just not squats. Rex is angry but relents. He runs off, and Rickon is happy that he uh, he gets to contribute to the cause and has no regrets. Jesus Christ! Let's give Father something to remember us by. Kids, just talk to your dad. Just, just go, like, talk, go, go to talk to him. Go. You you could come up with a good plan. You have vehicle. You saw him. You could have just been like, "Oh shit, this is way better than the alternative, which is going back." But what we'll 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 learn their justification for going back in a minute. It's not that they don't have one; it's that it's stupid. Guy <laughs> slams his fist down in frustration. We must end this madness. He leaves, leading us to talk to Dean Valdellen. You've done it. You've written a name. <laughs> yes, I did. See, what I've done is now I've written their names incorrectly. <laughs> I know. Um, okay, so, so as a joke, Vodol, 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 Vodolin is is the the elf man we were talking about before. Yes, his uh, handler of sorts. He gives us, uh, he tells us of his first encounter about the Guardians in one of many sequences where he makes this about himself, who slaughtered his village, including wife and daughter, to become Black Rose test subjects. Woof! Remember that thing? Yep. Well, he joined the Twin Adder, which led him to um, charge into the Praetorium behind me during the, that whole fight. Oh, and he then was definitely there. During his escape from the wreckage, who did he find but uh, Gaius, the object of his revenge? So this is before, I think, the MSQ redo. And I don't remember there being... I don't remember there being a huge army behind us when they did the redo, when we did this. I guess I don't remember either. Because it's just like a four-man operation now. People keep telling me that they were there, and I guess I believe them. Yeah. We'll let him have this one. Uh, he doesn't have a whole lot else going on. So uh, He did find Gaius, uh, the object of his revenge, right after the, the fucking carnage. Gaius had survived the explosion. But Gaia said, please, let me kill the Asians first. And he was like, okay. So they travel together under this agreement. When Gaius is done with the Aslan, uh, Lord Vaudeville gets to kill him. And uh, though he seems to have cooled on that a little bit, he's... Um, more focused on the Asians now too. It's like know, he's not completely, completely chill. He's, he's like, not completely chill, but he's not like he's not quite chomping at the bit. To... He's kind of just doing it. He's just kind of doing it for lip service at this point. Uh, news on the Sapphire Weapon investigation. This was using regular Van Hydrus's combat data. Uh, Heavensward side character, All Star, sacrificed himself in the uh, Heavensward trials at the fight against Zervin. Right, I remember him. Yes. A little bit incomplete, though, this data was. Based on the vision, it sounds like this whole pilot becomes bound to the core of the machine. is no malfunction, but by design, I was right. You were right. It's horrifying. Gaius is pretty pissed at Alphonse for, uh, sorry, Alphonse, for throwing his siblings into these things. How could you do that? Ugh, you're a bastard. 
and then so that we need to find the others and disable them before the oversoul is activated. Okay. So um, and then this is the cut scene where I went from being like this is fun to being like. Just to what be clear, is going on? He, we need to find the other weapons and disable them, not find the other children and disable them. <laughs> <laughs> that language is a little ambiguous. Sure, just want to okay. clarify that for our listeners. We're finding the weapons. The other weapons. Yes. But meanwhile, in, in the very... Well, now you've got me second-guessing. It's Verlet. Verlet. I've said <laughs> it five times. Meanwhile, in the Verlet headquarters, um, podcast so Alphonse host doesn't listen to me. Is Alphonse is delivering a report to a figure known as Lord Valens, and this scene is insane. This is one of my favorite cutscenes in the game so far. I, I, I genuinely it's buck it's, wild. It's so wild. <laughs> it's we just completely. It's, it, there, it's this dark room. There's this uncool. one man doing extremely sweaty, one-handed shirtless push-ups. Mm-hmm. And just, just sweat is just pouring off this guy. The, the camera lingers on the sweat dripping off his back. He 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 like he doesn't even know Alphonse's name. He's so rude. Wow, he, <laughs> sounds like somebody I know. He's telling him directly to his face that he doesn't care. Wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. You know I could just leave I, right now. I <laughs> I don't have to take this. <laughs> <laughs> continue describing this cutscene of somebody uh, who has one similarity. <laughs> so he's literally Valens is telling Alphonse to his face he doesn't care about him or his siblings. And then he pours milk from a carton, like a cardboard carton, like the carton you'd get at like middle school. Like he's got like a carton. <laughs> Wait, no, there's this guy on TikTok who got into an argument with Caitlin Riley. I have to pull this up. It's so funny. And he's drinking a carton of milk. Like, they called this. They saw this coming. Wait. So, Caitlin Riley, a, a fucking hysterical comedian out of LA, I think. Whatever. Where else would she fucking be? Um, and she stitched this dude who was talking about alpha males and beta males and whatever. I should probably speak into the fucking mic. And um, she stitched this dude and she said, hey, uh, if you could do me a favor and pull up a diagram of a vagina and point to the clitoris just to see if you know where that is, that'd be great. I'll sit here and wait. And then he like responds to her with, and he's just like, it's some other dumb shit. I'm not even going to say that he's just like holding a carton of milk shirtless. <laughs> and it's the same energy as balance. <laughs> that's that's great that's so like like it's weird like valens anticipates like bronze age pervert type shit yes (laughs) it's 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 so buck wild oh who is this guy yeah who is this guy because like you know um like literally like he he wants to find out about who defeated the um sapphire weapon he uh what like he's he's is curious to find out that it's Gaius. He um he's like, Well, no use crying over spilt milk which has to be deliberate because then he goes on to to say, you know, I've become a fan of this special veiled milk. It comes from only a hundred cows who are milked every day. These cows are quite valuable until their milk dries up, at which point they're sent to the slaughterhouse. One, what an insane thing to say. Two, this is like this man is using subtext and metaphor more effectively than like 90% of the characters in this game before this point. <laughs> like, <laughs> characters just like don't. 
say says, things like this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he he also is uh, claims he's willing to be forgiving for these mistakes because to forgive is to div- divine, and he is a god. So <laughs> he, he, uh, that he throws a cup at Alphonse's head. Bonk. Alphonse's head it bonks, <laughs> bounces up. Alphonse's head tilts back a little bit and orders him to the correction chamber to learn obedience. Capital O, obedience. This is the most interesting villain we've had in like three expansions. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's it's excellent. He then begins whistling. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's whistling the Garlean Emperor theme. And a bunch of kids who have been watching from the side of the room this entire time have just been kind of standing there silently. And like he has a giant suit of red armor in the corner and he walks over to it and the kids start dressing him. Yeah, the children put it on him. Uh, as Ali enters, this this entire sequence is the most bonkers five minutes I've seen in this game in like really, in a long it, time. It really takes you on a journey uh, in a short amount of time. He asked to. Uh, he, it turns out he asked to see her, and uh, he wanted to commend her for joining up on her own. Um, and she wants him to take his hand and be uh, let her have what? I'm going to skip that part. He wants her to discover the strength she has inside of her. Uh, and she narrows her eyes and the doors close with a cut to black. Boom. Blood, Blood of, Emerald. of Emerald. Blood of Emerald. Back to Turncliffe. Blood of Emerald. Blood of Emerald. Blood of Emerald. Back to Turncliffe. Sid has uncovered evidence of the third weapon. Emerald. Where did it go? Nobody saw it taken by land or air, so it must have gone underwater. Logical. Why not? Is it headed to Eorzea to absorb more primals? It wasn't done quite yet, though, so it's probably being finished elsewhere, closer to Eorzea. And there's two castrums over there where it it might might be it might be there. One of those two, I think. No, I so we'll split up and we'll search both of them. Couldn't be anywhere else. The G warrior still under repairs, but um, Sid will have it, give us a submarine. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. I mean, we could teleport. Sure, whatever. Uh, we uh, end end up. Um, we, we need, we need to infiltrate the castrum and kill it quickly. Gaius is still too wounded from the ruby weapon, so we're kind of on our own. Um, we end up finding the emerald weapon uh, in... Where else? It's off the coast. It, off the coast of western Thanalan, within spitting distance of the Waking Sands. Full circle. We have not uh, yet. We had, we never entered that castle. It was just always there waiting to be used. And they're like, all right. It's time all right. Here in, in this story, I guess we'll make use of it. Yes, so, we yep. We get inside and we see the Emerald Weapon. And also it's definitely Rex piloting at this time. And the oversoul phase for this fight is Belsar Combat Data. What? Well, I'm, I could have seen that coming, yeah. So, uh, we're he's turning into his dad to fight his dad, except his dad's not here. So, we got to fight his dad. But it's him. But it's still uh, it's a, Oedipal? It's, it's not it's, Oedipal. It's definitely the best. I think it's the best fight of these of this series. Um, in my opinion, it certainly was the best extreme fight. Um, but I just love the way the... The, the problem solving in having to coordinate the different area of effect types with the, the diagonals and then lining up the soldiers off to the side and having to move back and forth between uh, between the, the columns. There's just a lot of really quick problem solving uh, that's really interesting and unique. Hasn't been done at a normal level, you know, at, at, outside of extreme fights in quite some time. 
Um, the way that the getting knocked around is really cool. They end up using that in a raid fight in Endwalker with like with the slidey AOEs. It's just a cool effect. So I think it's a, that's it, this one. This one's my favorite fight and the music's great. And the music's great. It goes, you know, yeah, I know. So, um, we beat. You want to get, get your saxophone? And I don't. I very much don't. Haven't touched. Haven't touched the horn of Felger in quite some time. The uh, aura site takes us back to a projection of Verlet during the invasion. By the way, for this fight. So, in the second, like the Oversoul phase, we're not fighting in the Castrum anymore. We're fighting in a hollow deck version of the old Verlet. So, which is kind of a cool way to see the the little the little town. Get a little bit of history. Yeah. Um, we beat him. We end up beating him, and Gaius walks in. He says, and, and so it ends. Well, at least he got intel both about the fight and about how other troops were ordered to retreat, likely anticipating our arrival. Sid and the others arrive. The other castrum was empty. Shit. Gaius almost wishes we hadn't found it so that we didn't have to kill his child. Echo Vision, though, as usual. We get another one. We get to see, we see Ali, we see Alphonse, we see Rex regarding the Emerald Weapon. Uh, Ali's pretty pissed because uh, everyone else knew about the whole white, uh, the whole Orosite Oversoul sacrifice system except for her. Yeah. She did not know it was a death sentence. And she, is re- pretty, she has every right to be, as she's the only reasonable person here <laughs> who says, we could just talk to him. Why don't we go talk to him? Yeah, what is, what is this all for? What is worth throwing your lives away like this? And the, the explanation she gets given is that, you know, hey, the day after Gaius left, the Garleans lost all respect for them. Maybe he had a good reason to leave. If only there was some way they could have found out. And also, like, if he was the only thing protecting you, then the Empire was always bad. But, I mean, which I guess they get now. But now they live under the tyrannical leadership of Valens, but only, and so their plan now is to become strong themselves so they can create a world where they can protect the weak and live without fear of persecution. They're literally being persecuted as we speak. So they're going to make a new world even though it costs their lives. And they're doing it, um, they're all doing it for Ali specifically because... They say that she held on to more of her innocence than them. Which what the like, fuck does that mean? It's a little patronizing. <laughs> what the fuck? It's just like, no, that's just reason. That's just talking, taking things through and realizing that problems can be solved with dialogue. But I think at this point, what we can deduce is that the others are fueled by vengeance and she is not. Well, vengeance and also despair, right? Like they're thinking, look, mm. if we run away, others will just be forced into the weapons in our place. Why don't we just like take the, why don't we try taking them and see if we can turn the weapon, like turn them on our oppressors? Yeah. And as traumatized, abused, effectively children, I guess I can't really fault them that hard for not thinking completely logically with my 34 brain year old brain. <laughs> Cause there are certainly times where I've had conflicts that could have been resolved with dialogue uh, that I chose not to do, and that got me into trouble. And I, that's certainly a very teenage thing to do. Just think you can solve your problems um, with, with yourself and not have to bother anything anyone else, lest you look weak or get in trouble or anything else. You know? Yeah. Any a number of reasons. It, it, it's It's... Relatable, although my problems were never quite of this magnitude. But it's um, yeah. The first up, there's there's a lot more at stake here, um, and also being that these were, and these were children that were raised by this person who is like a tactical military genius. 
Why would they not want to ally themselves with the greatest warrior on the fucking planet? One would think. That is completely obliterating all their weapons for them. They don't need to do this by themselves. You get, you, you get tunnel vision, okay? The solution is vision. right there in the form of a bunny man with sunglasses and a long blue coat. <laughs> So Ali is not happy about any of this. She refuses to leave them behind. Alphonse says, hey, we'll be forever at your side. And then immediately tells Rex to throw her in a holding cell. <laughs> they could be forever at our side and alive too if they just not consign themselves to death for an obviously terrible cause. But whatever, go off, King. And like the plan here again appears to be to like, if, if, if the Emerald Weapon wins, then they can go take like the fight to Valence. If it loses, then they get more combat data, and either way, Gaius can rescue Ali from the Castrum. Or like, they can just tell us where Valence is, and we'll kill him with seriously our, with our gun. I mean, they don't know us that well, but like, but we, but they, they could ask at least, and we could we, we could, could ask their father, who they mm-hmm. obviously trust and respect. But at, at the end, Rex is like, "Look, if this is where I meet my end, I'll do it with a smile on my face." And I'm like, oh, oh, "Okay, why not just let?" All three of you be rescued. Whatever. In the present, it they looks like it. they found it. They Ellie. found Ellie in that holding cell. And she she's, of course, distraught at the sight of the destroyed weapon and Rex's body. Um, yeah, so we'll forever be at your side because we will traumatize you into never forgetting the sight of our horrifically mutilated and fused melted bodies. Back outside, we get told like, But hey. don't worry, there's a smile on the face of this one. He's gonna die with the so he's just laying there half liquid, but he's like, eh. he died in pursuit of his dream, and there's no more noble way to die. <laughs> Terrifying, horrible. Uh, back outside, we've locked Allie up for her own safety while she calms down. She's, she's hysterical, apparently, which is uh, okay. Like, uh, or we or we could like talk to her and get her a therapist. Um, there are no therapists in this fucking game. This is also where we find out that her back is covered in welts and bruises. Like, all joking aside for a moment, Valence is an actual monster. Yeah. Like, this this is a horrific Clearly he, he campaign is the, of he, child abuse. He is the bad... He is, is the, the source of all these problems, and I understand why the children are trying to enact a plan of vengeance on him that involves, ironically, using his own weapons against him. That would be very satisfying. Um, the blue-haired companion, whose name is Severa, uh, gives her, us her, sto- her story now. It's time for her to make things about herself. I'm going to be honest. I could have done without these two on the side. I this could have just been Gaius. Yeah, like, I, if they came back later, then I'd appreciate this context. But if this is, like, the only place they show up, then I don't I, know I appreciate that, I that Gaius had a little bit of martial help fighting off the, the Imperial Army or whatever from these people back in the burn and stuff. And it looked cool to kind of have a little squad going on, but if this is how we learn about the squad, this it's could a have little, been a side. Quest. It's a little flimsy. I think there maybe are maybe are some side quests. I don't remember, but not anyway, here so she tells us her story, and her story is basically just Fordola's story again. But um, but this like, time she figured it out. Yeah, this time she was like, oh, um, I think instead I'm just gonna fight for the other side <laughs> instead of like you know climbing the down rank, yeah constantly trying to play respectability politics until i'm killing my own people and then at this point gaius also is talking he's like oh you know i always thought that the strong should lead the weak but now i see how those ideals have been corrupted into a cancer that spreads throughout the empire and it's like gaius you were you not 
paying attention. It's not a cancer spreading through the empire. It's been it's been a tumor from the start. The, the whole empire has been a tumor it's from been, the start. Well, it's been malignant, yeah. Like It's not like the empire was never a good project that got twisted into being a bad project. And it was we, always a bad project. Yeah, and we especially know that now, given, given that we know who started it and what for. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, so we go check on Allie to see if she's well enough to speak. Gaius immediately apologizes to her, which makes him, as you've noted here, a instantly a better adaptive father than Thancred was and across an entire expansion. 100% agree. Completely co-signed. But he does need to know what happened between now and then. Yes. Like, how did things get to this point? What is going on? Because he has not been getting the Echo Visions I've been getting as much. That's fair. Yeah, we've not really been cluing him in. So so eventually, so like after he left, they were moved from Legate to Legate until eventually they were put under Valence, who was put in charge of the uh, this this Machina project. Um, some think that he's actually like that. That Valens is not even doing it for the Empire. Some some think that he's going to stage a coup with them, but she thinks that he's also obsessed with Gaius specifically and wants to uh, like kill him. So, um, because Gaius once scooped a promotion right out from him, and uh, and he was stuck working under Nero, and working under Nero would drive anyone nuts. <laughs> Gaius treated the army, according to this, as a meritocracy re- where people could rise regardless of race or background. But Valens is obsessed with pure blood Garleans and like ra- and like explicit racial oppression. And like, on the one hand, sure that makes Valens villainous. On the other hand, that's also a weird framing of like, oh, Gaius's imperial army was less bad because it was more diverse, which is not <laughs> tr- true. Pretty low bar to hop over, yeah. Um, not not really, not really good. Anyway, but the point is that Valens now uses all the non-Guardian kids as experiments and subjects for his sadistic impulses and uh, weapon d- d- development. Um, the Gaius feels sure bad about leaving them to this, but, um, but she says like, no, like you didn't, yes, you left us, but also we could have fled at any time. We have stayed because we want to seize the power of the weapons and strike Valens down directly, strike him down and then use the weapons to protect the weak. Um, she's like, oh, if only I could get my hands on the most ultimate weapon of all. You mean me? <laughs> no. I'm right here. She's still not thinking that clearly. <sighs> oh, well. There must be a way to reach Alphonse still. Gaius is like, no, the weapons are not ever going to be used to create anything good. They can only destroy. We must prevent um, Alphonse from making a terrible mistake. Yes, uh, she leaves, and uh, Vaudevillian is not having it. <laughs> he, he, he's like, oh, so you feel bad for your kids, but you've killed so many other people, including lots of other kids. And, like, this is not... This is more of an argument than what Elidibus was making. It's still not much of one, like... Uh, yeah, we didn't know that his his children were at the center of the WMD conspiracy. Um, we were just happening to we just happened to be investigating WNDs and the the Empire and the Asians, and then his fucking kids showed up. He uh, Gaius was trying to prevent the death of thousands because it was the right thing to do, not because the the pilots happened to be his children. Like, yes, and also Gaius his- appears to be working to undo or not undo but like try to make good for the damage that his actions caused which is more than like Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah it's um it's again these little these two side dorks they they could they could have been cut yeah i don't know that we need them okay anyway meanwhile in the correction chamber 
Uh, Alphonse is getting tortured with hot irons. Woo! <laughs> Valance is pretty pissed about losing three weapons and Allie. So he has one of the younger, like, teen kids actually doing the torture, which is super fucked up. He does not even use the irons himself. He makes the others torture each other. And he's and he's also showing, making the teen show Alphonse the latest TikTok trends. And Alphonse is like, please kill me. He's screaming. He's like, <laughs> how many times can you stitch it? Most of them aren't even funny. <laughs> No, so um, so, so this is the first time the kid is here in the torture chamber, apparently, and uh, Valence is encouraging him to uh, use the hot irons. Valence takes off his helmet and looks <laughs> like Willem Dafoe was my first thought. <laughs> I, I do have a side-by-side down here. I didn't believe you at first, but my God, he does, he does. This is the first time we see his face, and it is about 80% Dafoe, I would say. It's very good. He, if, if this were a movie, you know he, who he, he could cast. be cast. He marches on the kid and tells him that even though it looks painful, it's all to clean Alphonse's troubled spirit, and he'll be so grateful when he's made better. Hate that. And then he begins chanting and clapping, burn out the bad, burn out the bad. And the other kids start chanting also, and the kid shoves the iron forward, and Alphonse screams, and the kid grins up at his father in pride. What the fuck? Directed by Ari Aster. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So, so uh. So what's happening with Alphonse? I guess he's Ali's replacement for now. He's gonna get in the last weapon, and his plan. Um. And and Valence says, "Hey, look, this is your chance. Either you kill Gaius, or I kill all of you. Oh, and I'm gonna force Oversoul on you. So get ready to die anyway. Um. All right." And then they all march out, and as they're leaving, Valens is like, he's like, with the kids, he gets his arms on their shoulders, and he's like, hey, I've got secrets to share with you. And uh, <laughs> they leave. Don't love that phrase. Don't love, don't love any of this. Uh, but we're not done yet. As Alphonse lies there, prepared to take the weapon, he's prepared to take the weapon, and he turned it first against Valens, and then the Empire. Oh, no. He's going to fight genocide with genocide. And then we're still not done yet. Uh, Valens marches up to some sort of glowy capsule test chamber, accompanied by, again, a lot of freaked out looking kids, and initiates the diamond weapon simulation. The scared pilot inside the test chamber that we can't see his little capsule, he asks what's going on. He was told that if he took part, they'd let his family go. And uh, they're loading the Xenostata into the Oversoul. Energy crackles, and the pilot begins screaming as they do. And from within the test chamber, we hear a voice going, Where is my prey? Test successful. Shut it down. (laughs) The door opens. Water floods out with a messed up, lifeless blue arm. And then it's like, okay, great. Test complete. On to the next subject. The scientist scientist looks up at Valens and is like, weren't you going to release his wife and kid who you just made watch this whole thing? And he just laughs maniacally because he is a complete bastard. Well, so is the scientist. The scientists seem to be pretty okay. They're pretty complete. Yeah, like, the scientist is a bit far into this to begin having moral qualms. Like, I mean, this sunk cost, the- I guess, but, you know. This is the point at which you're asking your boss, like, weren't you going to release them? Like, <laughs> you haven't been given pause by any of the previous horrific... Uh, better, uh, you know, you can only take better late than never so far. <laughs> I think this is, uh, uh, I don't know... I- questioning your your superior officer yeah anyway we've made that comment about three times already in memory is the final question question no it's not nope it's not even the final quest it's it's not even the final it's not a question it's not the final one in memory is the next quest 
The people of the Resistance are going to offer to help the people of Turncliffe. They know what it's like to need to rebuild from destitution. I'll help out, of course. We start by searching for a despondent civilian. She's a Magitech engineer named Avelina, um, who is available for purchase over the counter to relieve your allergies. <laughs> her name sounds like a drug. Who, who was pressed into service while all her countrymen were taken off to fight and serve and die elsewhere. And she wants to build a monument to their memory. I, at this point, I admit, I'm when she says monument, I'm picturing like a 30-foot obelisk or like a big fountain. <laughs> a cube. <laughs> <laughs> something sizable a memory cube to for the th- fallen to do this though she does need a list of everyone who was conscripted and taken and she thinks that that, that, that we she can find it in the old imperial facility under town so we which, go talk to an imperial or a person or, who is ta- a soldier of the resistance who has taken over the imperial facility and they say okay and she goes and gets it great uh turns out though she, on that list melisandia she was friends with Melisandia. They served in the 14th together, became friends. Then one day she was sent off to fight. She remembers when Melisandia and her adopted siblings came to say goodbye and how sad they were not to get to say to goodbye to Gaius. Oh, Gaius, I want to say goodbye to you, but I can't because you are off in Eorzea to asking us what we believe in. <laughs> Do you remember that? It's a really, it's the one, one of my favorite speeches in the game. It's really good. Oh, apparently Livia was the one who kept all the others away. She was obsessed with Gaius, even though he keeps her at arm's length. Gaius might be a little guy if you're talking. <laughs> he might not be swinging on your team. He, though he was cold, there was a Rogadin who was very nice to them, even as their superior. You know, that was her Totten. They got separated. She became an engineer on the Omega weapon, where it was then uh, blown up, etc., etc. She's been stuck working on the weapons ever since. Pure Garleans were never the test subject for these, just anonymous conscripts. She never even knew who was in the machine, and now she's more ready than ever to fight the Empire. Or it will never stop. She has a plan involving the War Machina, and she just needs the help of the Ironworks to get it done. That's that quest. That's that quest. Duty in the sky with Diamond. Ha <laughs> ha! He said duty. Developments in Whirlit. News from the front. Extra, extra. Delivered by none other than uh, newsy extraordinaire Monago. Monago. She's happy to see us, but makes she a remark. Been, she's like, have you been avoiding me? It's like, Monago, no. we were trapped in an alternate dimension for I like have months. not been avoiding you. I've maxed out your custom delivery quest line. I've given you six well-crafted items every week for, for six months straight. I'm sorry I, I didn't visit Rogger's Reach in between fighting two different Asians. I did. I have the title Monago's partner. I'm your partner. How could you forget me? I own 51% of this friendship. <sighs> also, we were trapped in an alternate dimension for like 15 minutes, okay? You have note here months? No, it was really quick. Remember? I assumed we were over there for months. No. Were we not over there for months? They were like, you just left. <laughs> we're at the end of 5.0. They're like... Weren't oh you, right! Weren't the you going? T- oh, the time dilation. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and then we're like, "No, this is all that happened." They're like, "What the fuck?" You're right. You're right. You're right. right. Okay. <laughs> it's like my favorite part of Shadowbringers. They're just like, "You just did you forget something, or did you leave your keys?" <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, you know, whatever. We were still we were still occupied. Okay. 
Well, the, what we find out is that the people of Verlet are sick of the occupation and finally ready to rise up. They're ready to fight against the uh, the 8th Legion. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot of conscripts, and they want Gaius to lead them for a couple reasons. He's got a reputation for pragmatism, especially compared to Xenos. Um, and he led the invasion of Verlet in the first place, which makes him the ideal person to take it back, I guess. I Like... That makes sense, I guess. I I have a hard time <laughs> buying on paper <laughs> that a lot of the people of Verlet who have lived under this occupation are going to be that eager to trust the guy who led it in the first place. Could they not have made a? Could this not have been like just a time for us to get to know any native of Verlet who is yeah. leading any sort of resistance? Can they have some kind of uh, agency I guess, in their I guess own? They don't get an entire expansion, so I guess we don't. Oh, so they don't get entire expansion, so none of the science of the Seventh Dawn ter- get to turn out to actually have secretly been there le- meant to be. The oh my God! Oh, you're right. Maybe, that, like, maybe you know what? Orion J is not secretly the. <laughs> well, maybe we're sparing them of that trite garbage. All right, well, it's moving on. Um, he's accepted the task, so whatever. We need to just go deliver his supplies for him. And Monago and Gaius are meeting for the first time. Oh, boy. That's that's tense. Mm-hmm. Gaius tells the soldiers we have the resources we need now, but a lot of people are going to die. It turns out they're prepared for that. Monago does want him to know that, um, you know, we haven't forgotten about the whole violent invasion and occupation thing earlier so like she's she's suspicious of him which is good and so is vaudeville man like i'm not suspicious of him but like more people in the story should be yes i know we're still i mean i think at this point we're okay with him but Mm -hmm. we were for a while when we first re-saw him gaius reflects on how long he believed that the might of the empire was required to lead mankind to salvation and how leading the conquest of eorzea advanced that goal bringing civilization to the uncivilized conscripting and enlisting as many great people quote-unquote as he could find all to strengthen the empire um and he has, a, he has a line here that says for most of my life i believed only the empire possess only the empire possessed the strength uh, and wisdom to lead mankind. The only through great sacrifice could civilization hope to thrive. Valence brings shame upon our homeland and makes mock of the ideals it once stood for. By my hand, he shall pay for his foul crimes. Gaius, I think your homeland's ideals and the vision of your homeland's ideals that Valence has in his hand are in fact identical. Yeah, <laughs> and well, not like, at all different. Well, like this once again, it's like oh, like back when I was run like a, 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 a leader in the empire, like we were the cause was righteous, but then Valens has corrupted it. It's like no, the cause was never righteous. I really the, think we should have had a, a warrior of light dialogue option choice to say no. Actually, <laughs> you were not. You were not a good person. I. You're, <laughs> I, I like Gaius. I mean, like, I certainly I, think good... that he appears to be attempting to, like, to do the work of making right some of the things he did wrong. He does not appear to understand certain fundamental things about what he did wrong, which is a bit of a problem. Yes. There's news for Gaius. A letter found in Allie's room. She cannot bear the thought of Alphonse suffering. So she is going to take matters, quote, into her own hands. Oh, no! She's going to join an MLM and try to sell homeopathic goods! Don't do it, Allie! Hey, 10% of all proceeds go to Verlet children. It's not actually being your own boss. You're being suckered into it. It's false... It's a false sense of independence. No, she's got a plan. She's got a a way to end their suffering before it's too late. 
So, uh, like, we were like, oh, she's got to be trying to seize the weapon herself. Yes. The army that we isn't even ready yet. They they say they're all ready to die, but like if we lead them in there right now, they're really gonna die. And not even I can take on that many people. So um, so uh, we're all, like we're all running around. We're not sure what to do when news from the team. There's explosions, fire, and chaos, which might be a weapon. It sounds like everything is popping off way faster than we expected, and we have no time to prepare or plan for anything. Carnage, carnage, and we gotta deal with it. Mayhem, cats and dogs living together. Gaius tries to claim that this burden is his alone to bear, which is characteristically very selfish of him. And we're like, you're dumb. And he's like, good point. Come with me. <laughs> so Gaius will hold the revolutionaries back, but we need to get in and deal with this fast. Sometime earlier in the uh, in the 8th eight headquarters. 8th headquarters. 8th legion headquarters. The 8th the the V headquarters. Valence greets a mysterious figure. Turns out to be Allie. She has come back to him voluntarily, um, and she's and she tells him that she knows the previous runs were just prototypes. She is here with the reclaimed data from the Sapphire and Emerald, um, because we took that data, and he's very pleased. It's a good sort of like gift for her to bring back to prove her loyalty. Um, all that's left is for her to assume her role as its pilot, and for him to release her brother and, comp- and compatriots per their agreement, and like. It's good characterization that, as written here, he's so arrogant that he really just doesn't seem to uh, believe or doesn't seem capable of imagining that this is a trick. Like, you know, she's everything he desires. She, he he practically raised her. Like, of course he assumes that she's completely under his thumb and came back voluntarily and just wants to, like, you know, serve as his, like, living weapon or whatever. So um, she's like, yes, yes, of course, wonderful, all is planned. She does throw in one more condition, though, which is that in addition to everything else, she now wants imperial citizenship and self-governance for all the people of Verlet. And um, he's like, oh, I would, but a mere legatus doesn't have those kind of powers. And she's like, stop playing around. Like, I know the plan is that once this weapon's been activated, you're going to stage a coup and march on the capital and seize the throne yourself. So after you are the emperor, then do we have a deal? And like, and she's just she's feeding his ego and telling him how like you know oh how like promising him the empire and building him up and it's like it's it's very smart this in a fucked up way this is an accurate representation of how people learn to negotiate and flatter their abusers in order to get things that they want out of them in a way that is, mm-hmm. again, there are undercurrents to this whole storyline that are very well written in ways that are kind of disturbing. Allie, again, is, as as I do say, Allie is the only, the, certainly the most reasonable, but maybe the only reasonable person. She has, uh, she has something that the other children do not, which is an ability to see the bigger picture. Yes. So uh, that is great for us. Um, the weapon code name Z E N O S, uh, which uh, which stands for, if I have my notes correctly here, synthetic extermination navigated operating slaughter. Yes, that is, I believe, what the exact code name of the you know, device is. No, a little on the nose at the end there, but I think you know we can maybe workshop that one. Uh, it's activated, and she prepares to activate the Oversoul. This, this is, is the, the only, only way. way. She says, the diamond weapon is mine. Your tyranny ends here, Valenciaga. Uh, sick-ass music. The sick-ass music kicks in. There's alarms going off. The weapon's unleashing a barrage of lasers like on the facility. Uh, Valence demands that, it, demands that it be shut down, which apparently works. Apparently, he did have a kill, a kill switch. 
Hey, it, good engineering. It slumps down, kind of deactivated. Um, Allie's like, no, no, my plan. Um, Valance, to his credit, is like, you didn't think that I would not have like an emergency kill switch, did you? But um, she's just, like, she's distraught. I, now, hold on. She's fired off a bunch of lasers. How did she miss? I, I don't know. <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of lasers, and she just had to hit the big cube in front of her. Yes, it's, she was three feet from him, and she somehow only managed to damage the uh, superstructure. Okay, well, good try, I guess. Whatever happens, um, uh, Valance manages to shut it down, but so she, she's, she's begging her siblings to lend her their strength. A single tear from her face falls onto the control panel, and it lights back up to life, and the big pump-up music starts, and then the Overmind activates, and she hits Valens directly in the face with a giant fucking laser, this, and it's great. Yeah, this theme is the Maker's Ruin at this point, which is colloquially known as our theme song, interestingly enough. Could the Overmind be us? That Something been, like that it. That actually would have been really fucking sick. That would have been a really <laughs> good twist, actually. <laughs> it, like, pops out, and then there's just, like, one of the eight people in the party that's the Overmind. <laughs> 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 that would have been really fucking... That would be a good oh, twist. How many Warriors of Light are we going to fight in this expansion? <laughs> oh, well. Maybe okay. that's why they didn't do it, because we already fought one. Cut um, back to town, where Sid has upgraded the G-Warrior with the help of um, Alavina. Mm. So we, we head to the Enterprise... And we are um, we're in flight with the airships and the mech, and the mech appears to have a giant rectangular backpack because Sid seems to uh, have a plan for his for the whole thing, which he is now rechristened as the G Savior. That's a nice. It's got a sick Jan Sport. Uh, it's designed to capture the diamond weapon and also hold your water bottle. Uh, all right, so we're on top of this uh, giant backpack, and it's time to fight. So, so Gaius is going to operate this thing when mm-hmm. we do this, and you know when we're in there, uh, he gets a little pit screen, and our face pops up on it, and it goes, bleep, 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 bleep. and we get up on top because of the giant flat backpack. We're slippy, you see. I, I got it. Hey, get this thing off of me! <laughs> That's our energy. And we get and we queue up for the diamond weapon, and oh boy, what a fight! You you want to tell them about this one? Oh, okay. So um, this is uh, on the air, and so we're starting on the backpack, and the, the there's a there's a, well there's a cutscene, kind of a cool little laser dodgy giant mech fight in the sky cutscene, and then it gently glides alongside us <laughs> afterward. Very polite of it to do so. Um, and then another backpack pops up on the other side of the weapon. Sid built a second G-Warrior? <laughs> sure. And um, so there are these... You, you're you basically trying to teleport between the two platforms to dodge the various AoEs. It's knocking platforms out of the sky and you gotta go across the other one um, and just sort of dodge various mechanics you're getting knocked up in the air trying to land back on the backpack and not fall off the ship um which is very easy to do especially if you're not exactly sure how the telepads work so um you know i don't have to exactly point out how many times you walked off the pad instead of trying to walked off the ship it's trying to teleport on the pad but you got there in the end it was more than one there's a lot this fight also has a lot of hp and it does not have a se- it has second phase but it's not like a it's not like a key phase so there's you no do have to mark. you do have to get it in one mm-hmm. um but then it it sort of sheds its armor and then it turns into its own version of the G warrior <laughs> instead of being a big kind of bulky backpack, big bulky monster. 
uh, like it looked like in Final Fantasy VII. We end up, after a long and drawn-out fight, uh, taking it out from the sky. It falls to the ground below the clouds, and we need to go land and capture the remains before the Empire does. It turns out that it appears to have killed all the Imperials, so we kind of have it to ourselves. Oh, nice. Um, we, we walk up, and Ali staggers out of the wreckage, which is interesting. She does not appear to have gotten fused to the core. She uh, collapses kind of on the ground before us, and Gaius just tells me to take her back to Tencliffe while he attends to some unfinished business. So, uh, how about no, you garbage? Uh, we're going to sit right here <laughs> and watch you. Just make sure he doesn't turn back into a Garlean. I don't know. I wouldn't trust him, but we trust him, I guess. And we leave. We leave him, we leave him to discover what become of uh, Alphonsois. He calls out, if you have a score to settle, show yourself. And Valens emerges. I mean, I, really, I, I thought this guy already got obliterated. It didn't really which, explain how he survived this, the that, laser to the face. But it's, it's, it's anime video game rules. It's, he has a lot of HP. It doesn't really matter, given what happens. Gaius is unsurprised. Valens always does have a way to survive at the expense of others, he says. That's fair enough. That's a fair point. Valens, for his part, seems still just resentful of the, Gaius you know what standing he did? in his way. He grabbed the scientist and was like, human shield for laser. Valens is still mad for Gaius, uh, Gaius for standing in his way, which, like, get over it at this point, my dude. Like, you have so many other things going on. You're still holding on to that specific grudge. But yeah, a lot of people hold on to a lot of grudges in this in this universe. Gaius is like, well, what happened to Alphonse? Where is he? And Valens is like, hey, he's right in front of you, of course. You What? You see, an idea struck Valens. To improve the combat data, why not put a brain into the robot? Which, of course, makes total sense. You put a pilot in the robot that already has a brain in it, and then you have both of them absorb a different third soul. What a straightforward way to improve combat performance. They've, they've really thought of everything. There, I, I, I think that's airtight. It explains the Overmind acting on its own, on at least, because it's just like a different brain. We didn't tell it to op- over with Xeno stuff. Uh, Gaia says that this is proof that the rot continues to spread. He tells Valens that he's an affront, and now he will die. Um, okay. Gaius fires off a cool glowy X attack in midair. Valens cuts it down because he's seen the combat data. And he, he does. Knows- he fights with a sword and an iPad, which is iconic. It's, it's very good. I want iPad warrior for Dawn Trail. Please. That's the, that's the new class you want? <laughs> please. Bring me. Please. Tactician or something? Uh, that'd be sweet. He knows all the sword. He knows all of his tricks. He can read his every move. And Gaius pulls out a bullet and says, read this, bitch. And <laughs> Sets his sword on fire. Sets his sword on fire. And Valens is like, hey, you're not allowed to learn new moves. <laughs> but uh, it turns out that move's not in the data. Zoom dash attack. Valens is thrown back and knocked on the ground. Then the weapon seems to activate on its own. Its uh, eyes burn to life. And it doesn't... It, it, it kind of clo- like pushes itself on its, front, on its front arm. And then with its other arm reaches for Valens on the ground. Grabs him in a giant fist and uh seems to it says remove memory inhibitors and squeezes him a little bit his so, bones break we hear it we it's hear very a bunch of, disturbing we hear a bunch of, and it sounds uh very good an apparition of um of all of Gaius's kids show up actually first an apparition of just Alphonse just right? Alphonse yeah and he's like hey so uh you're garbage and i'm going to kill you and uh, also your entire unit. <laughs> everything everything you work for is done. You're dead and you and no one will know who you are. Um so that's great. 
and then uh, an apparition of the rest of the kids show up, uh, and he knows. Even Still does now, not know their names. Very funny. Very funny. Hey, what are all their names? Alphonse. One. Rex. Yes, two. Rickon. Yes, three. I made the Game of Thrones joke. That helped. Come on. What's the fourth one? Oh, man. Come on. You were so close. I don't know the fourth one. Starts with an M. Miliandia? Missilon? It's got an S's and some I's and some L's and it ends in D-I-A. Sorry, you're dead. Yeah. It's Melisandia. Melisandia. I knew it had all those letters in it somewhere. Missilandia. Cuban Missilandia crisis. Uh, he makes a good point you've mark and gaius doesn't know the names of all the people that he killed either but gaius is not running from it and he's fighting to prevent it from happening again yeah he's he's doing the work um now the apparition is all the dead pilots like dozens and dozens of them yes and then If you and haven't that, picked up on it, that's the fucking sound it makes in-game. It, like, squeezes a bit. I actually cut it a little bit just to be the pop for the bit. But it, like, the, the machine squeezes a bit. It shows his eyes rolling back in his head, and then it cuts away from him. And it's just a pop and a, and a, and a piss. <laughs> and, and that's the end of Valens, presumably. Yes. I don't think anyone He's survives that. that. <laughs> uh, and then it starts to rain and blue motes of life drift through the air and Gaius stares down and reflects on his failure to protect Alphonse. That's one of his failures. He swears, though, that he will see his dream completed. The weapon reveals its giant stomach laser and speaks to him, asking him to pass the memories in the weapon to Ali and also please end, end me. <laughs> it does not want to be a weapon any longer. It kind of also appears. Alphonse, the, the, the hologram of Alphonse appears before Gaius. He kind of nods and then he, they exchange like, some loving words. Again, putting Thancred in the f- six feet under in terms of comparisons for honestly, honest just, adoptive fathers. Um, Alphonse is proud to call himself a son. The lights, uh, the, the camera fades away very distant, which is really, really effective because it puts. It puts the entire diamond weapon in frame to make it seem less huge, to make it seem like an individual and not so much like a giant mech. It's Even though, touch. in comparison, you were seeing, you know, Gaius as kind of an ant there. Uh, and then there is a, just a flash of red where you see the light. And with that, the central headlight goes out and Alphonse is gone. We cut back to town. Word arrives from Gaius about what happened. And the revolution has taken the city, and, and it's a very um, sullen revolution. Yeah, no one seems particularly jubilant about this. It's, I know an entire village who would be pretty jubilant about it. <laughs> but they're on a separate planet. It's a village of sullen. Oh, right. Yeah. They would be totally thrilled to be here. Forever at your side is the upcoming quest. Final quest. Final quest. This one's really the final quest. I think I've said final quest, what, three times this thing about things that are not final. Allie is still in recovery from, I don't know, trauma? Uh, Everything? Physics? All of it. And um, Avelina wants to talk to us. mm -hmm. 
Avelina, our despondent friend. Uh, Avelina wants to talk to us. She's been working on a monument. It turns out to be a small rock with a plaque, which is classier than what I had in mind. Yeah, you wanted cube. You got small rock. (laughs) Yeah, um, but she's mourning the loss of Melisandia and really everyone who died. It's a lot of people. Uh, we go wait for Gaius's return with his two um, companions, whose names I've on. I, what Leviva? No, that's that's the astrologian lady. Selena, Sabaro, and Vaudeville. Sabaro and Valjean. Sean Valjean. There we go. And Sabine. Valdon. Valdon. Um. Uh. Yeah. They're. Yeah. They're definitely coming back in Endwalker. She makes the call, and she's brought out wearing a nice, you know, tunic and. Not great. Yeah. It's not clear that she even recognizes Gaius. She's. Um. It's not just the weapon. She's been traumatized, possibly permanently. She looks kind of almost comatose. I'm gonna call this. Co- I, I made a note here. I said this. Co- uh, this. Um. This collar that she has on her shirt is very centrist because both sides are equally bad. <laughs> it's like a v collar that goes down to like her sternum but it also goes down to halfway on her spine on the other side too right yeah it just covers (laughs) her also has lapels on the back it's so weird you know what no i'm into it fantasy and sci-fi settings should have really weird bad fashion that makes no sense to us I guess uh, where uh, she's, but yes, she is in a in a nonverbal state, very traumatized. She has no had no way of knowing Alphonse was inside the machine until she was boarding it. Um, so she learned when she learned the truth, and you know it should have absorbed her though. But Alphonse, we just can only guess that Alphonse kept her safe. Yeah. Uh, Savera um, Sabaro is furious. Sorry, I, I, I mispronounced her name. It's Sabaro. <laughs> Sabaro Sabine is furious. All they wanted was peace. You know, and this is their reward. But Gaia says this is not the end of their story. I taught them the strong must lead the weak. But absolute power corrupts absolutely. God, sorry. I just fucking gagged in my mouth a little bit at two back to back (laughs) trite, (laughs) trite idioms. And those who have suffered at the hands of the corrupt are beyond counting. Yes. Anarchist Gaia. Come on. Let's do it. Smash the state. Yes. I mean, this is the development we've been wanting. I. There's he no, got is this, kind of at the end. It's sort of. I'm sorry, you have these in quotes. Is this verbatim? Does he say absolute power corrupts absolutely? I'm pretty certain. Okay. I think th- I'm pretty certain that's a quote. Oh, okay. Well, can't can't all be can't the localization has done a lot of really good work on this content. That that particular line didn't hit me very well. But otherwise, but the development itself, yes, I like it. Alphonse dreamed of a land where all life as equals. Where all life as equals. We're all live as equals. We're all okay. (laughs) And um, (laughs) at the corner of such a land, like like he thinks, like hey, with their actions here today, we have laid the corner. I'm gonna tell you right now, I am Anchorman. I am going to read (laughs) what is said on on the the prompt. Okay. Okay. You know, maybe for next time, I will do an editing pass. Maybe I will look at the words one time between writing them and us recording. I'm looking at this document too. I'm not completely. To, I'm not completely blameless here. Okay. But anyway, so like he is in their stead. He is ready to commit his life to Verlet and see their dream through. He's going to help them rebuild and help them make a help them make a government that his children will be proud of. Jean Valjean lowers his head and announces he's released the hate in his heart. It's gone. 
I've did it. I've awakened. Have I told the story about the the girl in my high school class who's take a, who, who didn't understand the end of the awakening by Kate Chopin? I, you not told the story. No, what? <laughs> do you know the book The Awakening by Kate Chopin? I can't say I do. It was a book we had to read in high school. It's called The Awakening by Kate Chopin. It's basically a story. It's a story about a woman who gets in an affair um, in kind of Pride and Prejudice time, like the Victorian society or whatever the heck that is. That sort of high society and she gets fucking ostracized and whatever and in the end um her awakening is of course she slowly walks into the sea and kills herself and then the i don't i'm this i mean you know what i'm just gonna give her the benefit of the doubt and say this is a really fucking good joke but it was so genuine and so deadpan that i just you know props but she goes in she 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 we're talking about this ending and how profound that is like like in her in the society she has no choice but to fucking kill herself like she has no way to from coming back from such a pretty victimless crime um that only affects women right um but she says this my this my classmate says what did she expect to come back out of the ocean and be like i'm awakened (laughs) she's come back out nude and we all ran with it. We were like, that's the funniest thing we've ever heard in our life. Um, One, that's very funny. <laughs> Two, people are going to be very mad at you. What? Pride and Prejudice is not set in Victorian times. When the fuck is it set? I don't... Well, I'm double-checking. I'm pretty sure it's Elizabethan times, but let me double-check. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know what? Please please join us in our Discord. Do we have a book? I don't even think I've made a books channel. No, please make a books channel. I will use the books channel. All right, I'm making it right now. Channel. I'm making it rook now, right now. I guess it's the Georgian era? That's when King George... Oh, King was- George? Oh, it was Revolution times. I've never heard to it referred to as the Georgian era in either context. Well, we're not. Yeah, we're not. We're not British, so let's not. Okay, great. Now you can join our discard. Uh, discard what? Now you can join our Discord and roast me for getting the wrong era for Pride and Prejudice, a book I don't like. <laughs> it's like a hundred years difference. It's a big difference. I don't care. So uh, anyway. Everyone is sitting around, or everyone is saying that they're going to stick around and help Gaius. I've so, awakened, and I'm not hatred anymore. No more hatred for Fajan. Times change. People change. Yep. Sid is also, like, you know, ready to move on. He's like, he, hey, he says, there's a, a, I could fill a book with the things I wanted to a say book? to you. But what's the point? You know, what's done is done. Could he um, fill a Victorian version of Pride and Prejudice? We go talk to Savara, and she's also ready to stop looking for the right place to belong and start kind of making the place that she wants to belong in alongside Gaius. Uh, Valjean says that he thought Gaius was evil incarnate for a long time, but realized that some guardians actually were, that, that while some guardians actually were evil, Gaius is merely driven by his own misguided notions of right and wrong. I do like the moral of the story here, yes. which is that people who do great harm can also be given the chances to work to undo or rectify or just do good work in preventing further harm. They just need to like, swallow their pride. Yes. It, it, like people, like, it's not even about like people having a redemption arc or whatever. It's just like people people can change. People can do different things. People people can make up for harms that they have caused. And they can overcome their prejudice. Yes. Um the the revolutionary commander at this point approaches us with the children rescued from Valens' headquarters. The boy immediately spots the little pearl up in Gaius's forehead um and is like, "Oh, it's like purebred guardian. They they're mean to me." But Gaius tells him not to be scared and that he has a tale for him. And then he tells them of his children who sacrificed a terrible cost to fight the Empire. But now he's here to help. You know where my brain went. 
<laughs> I I don't know if it's conveyed in my voice, but I am sitting at a 180 degree angle. <laughs> You're basically flat. <laughs> I am uh we're 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 I am just that kid at 320 that really wants to go. <laughs> it's just looking at the clock at the bell. So we the, 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 they like get these kids to the doctor and then I'm like wait a second. They didn't take him to the doctor first. They brought them to the headquarters straight here. Whatever. Okay, <laughs> wrapping up. Um time for us to go our separate ways. Yeah, some uh, this though some is it it's not grandstanding cuz nobody's really listening. But it's like it's if if there were more people listening, I would call it grandstanding. It's just sort of, a, it's a little self. It's just grandeur. Grandeurism is I don't know. Yeah, he's speaking with a lot of grandeur here. That is very. Um, thanks. <laughs> um, okay, final anyway. sequence. We do need to talk about the final sequence. This is nice. Gaius finds Ali at the monument, and he pulls out the memory core from the diamond weapon. He hands it to her, and it begins to glow, and she eats it whole. And no, she doesn't. Just, just like the newt. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> it releases those blue kind of motes into the air again. Um, we see like a like a hologram of the, like a memory of maybe the first time that Alphonse and Ali met. We see Gaius back in his full scary armor, along with other sort of ghostly holograms of children running, playing, laughing, practicing martial arts. Um, this is all happening in the town. Like this is not just around Alley. Like these blue ghosts are now kind of like running through the town, and everyone is very confused and charmed and a little like uh, uncertain about what's happening. We see them as adolescents in uniform, saluting for Gaius and the lady in white from Aroma uh, Born. Who I don't, name I don't remember. We I was like, um, we just sort of like it's all these different memories in here. Gaius hands her the orb. Um, it glows even brighter. And, like, she's temporarily sort of transported into a white void where she wears her own dress uniform, and her brothers and her sister are all there, kind of to say goodbye to her one last time. She wants to go along with them, but it's not her time. Gaius still needs her. Uh, Alphonse has the others for company. And then one by one, as she's looking at them, they all blink out of existence. Please, please don't leave me, Allie. You're the only one of my children I can have a reasonable discussion with. (laughs) Back in reality, she realizes that she'll never be alone, and then she and Gaia smile at each other, and she calls him father. End of quest. Very it's, sweet wrap-up. Just, just really sweet. Really sweet wrap-up. That is going to do it for The Sorrow of Verlet. It is the best of the trials. I really enjoy this. It, I'm. This is very good. It's really good. Obviously, through. of course, I'm lampooning it for the sake of comedic effect, but I uh, really enjoyed doing this with you. Um, the fights were fun. The fights are well-designed. They're iconic. The Everything about this is um, excellent. On the next episode, we are, going to, we are going to cover the Eden raid and the, um, just what is it, melee DPS, physical DPS yes. role quests. So that is going to be really exciting. Um, so Eden, if you've, it's, it, we were set up with the, the, the this is a uh, Thancred and, um, Vreen in the, in the burn or not in the burn in the flood of light and the South of Amarang and whatever, when they did that kind of thing. Um, so we're going to have to go back in time a bit <laughs> to when Thancred was not back on the source, but we'll just deal with the, we'll deal with it as we get there. Small glitches in continuity. Yes. Um, so before we go, we must, of course, in our uh, timely fashion, do what we always do. We are going to the market board to pay some bills. 
Well, you know, this week the brand synergy continues. We we actually they out, reached out to us directly. It's mm-hmm. very exciting. This week we are sponsored by Grammar Soul. Mm. Grammar Soul. It's a sophisticated new piece of um, artificially intelligent software. It actually it runs on the Backbone platform. Oh, I invested in that. Yeah, do you still have that? Do you still have your? Backbone I have. Chair? That's how I am able to. That's how I am able to recline at a one hundred and eighty degree angle. It's still fused directly to your spine, it's right? Fused directly to my spine. So what Grammar Soul does is Grammar Soul. It automatically helps you fix and punch up like anything you might be writing, like emails, blog posts, um, sort of like you know, like Slack communication. During oh. working hours, uh, all sorts of written like you know communication, it automatically like helps you take it up a level by overlaying over your consciousness a simulacrum of a consciousness recorded from famous authors throughout history. You know that would have been really fucking helpful for this script we just wrote. <laughs> it would have been great. Yeah, I, in hindsight, we should have done this bit first. <laughs> So I've been authorized to do a live demo here. Actually, Jerome, who was like your who was your favorite author in high school? I need someone you know really well for maximum compatibility. Can I choose not to say it? (laughs) It's like, I think you know who it might have been. Hemingway to your brain and then make you write some episode copy. <laughs> it's like, I think you know who it might have been. <laughs> we, we can't go there. That was not the right question. <laughs> What author may have released books that were very popular in, in, when we were in high school that oh, we don't want to talk oh, about? Oh, no. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that. I felt like Mary Shelley or something. Gonna One of the classics. I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be sick. I couldn't think of anything else. For an enti- I couldn't think of anything else for an entire two minutes. <laughs> It's like my backup's not any good either because it's Joseph Conrad. <laughs> can you do? Can you no, do Thoreau? I, I fucking hated Thoreau. <laughs> but it would be so funny. I fucking hated Thoreau with all my guts. 
<laughs> oh, god damn it. Why did the terrible people write good books? <laughs> and the good ones wrote fucking Walden. <laughs> Can you do... Uh, not F. Scott Fitzgerald. <laughs> is, it, is it Fitzgerald? No! We can't do that one either. You All the books the... they taught us in high school were by racists. Who, who wrote Who wrote Their Eyes Are Watching God? I should know this. Zora Neale Hurston, yeah! Okay, so um, I've actually, I've got a recording here of the thought patterns of Zora Neale Hurston. Wait, wait, stop! <laughs> stop! Don't! No, <laughs> stop! Bad idea. <laughs> I'm gonna throw up. I'm gonna throw up. Bad, no. bad idea. No. Bad idea. We can't. We bu- just, just, just. Uh, uh, oh. Is there any way to get this one over the finish line? Oh. You know what? No, I think maybe books should just be left. To th- I'm sorry. We're probably going to have to pull out of this can, can you do Austin? Jane Austen? Yeah, like... The author of Pride and Prejudice? Yes, which you hate, but could you at least... Fuck no. I'd rather die. We might come back to this one. Get me? No, we're no, never coming. No, I might we're think t- of an author that I could do. Well, um, I guess... Go to oversoul.org.nz. Yes, oversoul.org.nz to download Oversoul profiles for your backbone today. They're reasonably priced. It's soul as a service. So, you know, (laughs) relatively straightforward to try a one-month trial. They have Hemingway and Mary Shelley and Jane Austen and all your other favorite high school authors. You too can write emails that sound like they were written in Georgian England. So many people are going to use that to write emails in African American for, for we cannot. English. Please do not. Do, do not do that. There are in hindsight. A, this is such a bad. In hindsight, we don't like the, this sponsor. Might not be. This a, might not be a good fit for us. We should not take money from don't. AI people no. and on any level. No. I wish we were sponsored by Honey. <laughs> this would be so much easier. Maybe next week we'll be sponsored by Honey. I'll see if I can get them on the phone. Oh, God. If we get fucking light agave nectar instead, I'm going to be so pissed. If that's I can't gonna... get Honey, will you settle for Rakuten? God, yeah. that You know what? That's fine. That's going to fucking do it for this episode of Storm Buses. You can check out our socials in the link pop in the description of the episode, including our Discord, where you can talk about all the books i i've either read and don't like or have not read <laughs> i'm gonna use the books channel we should fucking play pentiment on this fucking channel that would be great no seriously pentiment For would be great I would just hate it <laughs> we should do pentiment oh my god i want to make you do pentiment <laughs> no we'll have to do a bet and then i'll make you play a game you won't like and you make me play a game i won't like hey no as a premise that actually sounds kind of <laughs> great just steal it from triple click yeah um god you uh, get me out of here thank you so much for listening to this this high energy high octane podcast um and until the next episode born from buds storm of buds is there anything else we got to do i don't think so i don't think so we've been the storm buds baby good night
Evelina, our despondent friend, um, wants to talk to us. She's forever despondent, according to you. She w- <laughs> I got to stop doing these bits. I'm going to cut this out because I got to stop doing these bits where I'm like making fun of our notes. No one can see that. <laughs> this will go in at the end. But like we're trying a new thing, we're like collaborating on a document, and we're we're getting we're we, you know we're thirty six episodes. I think in. the we're, flow is good. The flow is good. You're right. Like, we're we're we a little bit we're to. a little bit in in the weeds. A little bit navel gazing at points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>